Lord, thank you for an opportunity to gather in your name, to lift up your name. We sing hallelujah to you. We say hallelujah. Praise, great praise be unto you, Lord. And uh, thank you, God, for an opportunity just to participate together, encounter your presence together, invite your presence. And Lord, we thank you also that we can partake in your word and uh, be a part of encountering you in your word. And so, Lord, we pray new life, new strength would come to us uh, as we are opening your word. Let faith rise in us today, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing in our series, Unmistaken Identity. So I want to thank you for being here. If you're joining online, I uh, want to welcome you. If you're in in uh, house here on location, we want to welcome you. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I want to thank you for taking the time to check out what the word of the Lord is uh, in this series, Unmistaken Identity. And uh, today we're speaking about new life. My identity is new life. Last week we talked about my identity is known, and we had the K to sixes joining us. Wasn't that fun last week? If you were here, huh? Wasn't that good? It was so good. Lots of life and and uh, and uh, action happening with the young people. Man, I'm just so grateful. So we're going to be doing that on the long weekends through the summer. So uh, July long weekend, which was last week. Uh, August long weekend, which is actually going to be in July, if you can figure that out, the, the 31st of July. And then the, uh, the long weekend of September will be fun day, Sundays, so we'll be inviting the young people to be joining us. And so there are going to be lots of uh, action and lots of life with those ones. But we're going to continue the series today. Uh, my identity is new life. So I was just thinking about how... In the world around us, there's a battle for life, isn't there? Uh, I just uh, laid my mom to rest, and the day she died, I talked to her on the phone, and she was talking about her garden, she was talking about, you know, what she was going to be doing that week. My mom was ready to live, huh? She was ready to live, even though she was going home. You know, you think, oh, when you get old, you're just going to want to check out. Just want to hit the road and get, get going. But she was, she was in a battle for life. You know, uh, yesterday, I was in the yard with Carla, and between rain clouds, I, I noticed something about her. She cannot walk past a weed, that girl. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's amazing. She's a weed killer. <laughs> Even on the way into the church this morning, I don't know, did you do that too, Diana? Diana told me, I can't even walk into church door without pulling a weed out of the yard, you know, and my wife, the same thing, she bend down and grab one of those suckers. Those weeds are battling. Hey, they want to take over the world. <laughs> There's a battle for life. How about the virus, Hey. You get, you get a vaccine, you put on your mask, you slather up in anti-whatever that stuff is, slobber. <laughs> and it still finds a way to get you, doesn't it? It still finds a way uh, around. It's battling, it's battling. Babies, hey, babies, you know, they're all in there, in there nice and warm, in their mom, you know, in the womb. And one day, they're like, 
I want out of here. <laughs> I'll do anything to get out of this place. They're in a battle. They to live. They want to they grow, right? There's a battles in the world, battles around us to go. My do- uh, granddaughter, Felicity, told me she got a bunny rabbit and, uh, for, a, for a gift. And uh, I told her, I said, oh, I love rabbit stew. <laughs> she said, Papa, it's my bunny. She has a little name. I can't remember the name. Do you remember the name? We can't remember the name. But the little bunny's got a name. She cuddles a little bunny. And guess what she told me last week? There's six new little bunnies. Six new baby bunnies. But she said, Papa, one died. Yeah. It's a battle to live, eh? There's battles for life. Uh, and life does sometimes feel like a battle, doesn't it? Hey, anybody relate that you're living your life and it can feel like a struggle? You feel like, man, you just get through one thing and that's another thing. You think, uh, just like Nicholas Sparks said, just when you thought it can't get any worse, it can. <laughs> hey, sometimes, some days are like that. Some months, some years, it just feels like that. We're just in a struggle And uh, we're just in a battle. And Paul told us as believers, and we're basing our series on 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you want to kind of be reading that in your devotional times and just asking the Lord to speak to you. And 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, sorry, chapter 5 verse 7 says, For we live by faith and not by faith. Sight. Isn't that good news? If it's just what you see, if it's just the battles, if it's just the struggles that we got to look forward to, then, oh man, we are in big trouble. But Paul told us, we don't just live by sight. We don't just live by the problems. We don't just live by the struggle. We don't just live by our weaknesses. <laughs> and came up in the prayer time. Paul said, I boast in my weaknesses. But it wasn't his weakness that he got his eyes on. It was on the redemptive power of Jesus. It was his faith. His faith that delivered him from his weakness. He boasted in his great weaknesses because it just proved the great power of God. It proved the validity of his faith. Ephesians, Paul wrote these words to the church. He said in chapter 2, he said in verse 1 and 2, As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins. We were dead. (laughs) Say, I was dead. I brought along something here. Almost forgot about this. Thanks to Cam. Cam brought this in. He's got a place at the lake. He's a good friend, by the way. You want to get to be friends with somebody with a place at the lake. (laughs) You were dead in your transgressions and sins. That's speaking of our life. That's speaking of our life impacted by sin. It's speaking of our life without Jesus, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Who's at work in the world? The devil is at work. You know, we see... We see a hell breaking loose. We see people thinking weird thoughts and wanting to go weird ways. This should not surprise us. 
Right? It should not surprise because there's a God in this world, the devil, who wants us to be led astray, wants people to be led astray, and people are following his ways. All of us used to live among them at one time. We used to. Say that. Used to. We used to. But by the grace of God. When you followed the ways, uh, uh, here we go. All of us used to live uh, at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. Following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And one translation says we're objects of wrath. We just can't even control ourselves. It's like we're so wrapped up in sin, we can't even see. Where's Brad? Brad, you said something yesterday, those four things. What was the first one you said? Unconscious. Unconscious incompetence. We don't even know what we don't know when we're in the world. We don't have any idea of God's goodness, of his greatness. We're singing of his holiness. The world has no idea of the goodness and the power and the, and the greatness of God. My wife and I, we comment when we're driving by marijuana stores. We say, what, what a tribute hey, to our government when they leave office. Ha, look what we did. Look what we did. We put a marijuana shop on every corner. I want to tell you, the devil will never be the most high. Our God is the most high. And it's not a marijuana. It's not. It's not on drugs. Our God is great in his holiness. He's great in his power. He's great in his goodness. He's great in his love. He's great in his mercy. Isn't that good? Isn't our God good? Oh, I just love it. And the devil has no chance. We were deserving of wrath, it says in verse 3. Then verse 4, but because of his great love for us. Say us. That's us. You, me, the world. God loves the world. God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. <laughs> Man, we've got a great God. Even when we are dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. You've been given the gift of grace to believe. You know, before knowing Jesus, we were all dead, we were all hopeless. But thank God, thank God that he sent Jesus. And I want you to know, this ring is Jesus. The ring is the thing. There's no other hope for this world. We can argue with this world. We can complain about this world. We can get mad at this world. But what this world needs it's Jesus. You have, you have the hope of the world living in you. You have the ring, and the ring is the thing. The ring is the thing. The ring is the thing. Jesus is the thing. All of the things we can 
think and do and say when it all comes down to it. Who we need is Jesus. Who the world needs is Jesus. Jesus is the ring. And the ring is the thing. The ring is the thing. We can get so caught up into so many things. Because of God's great mercy, he made us alive with Christ. I want to talk quickly about three things Jesus does to extend new life. Number one, he gives for it. He gives for it. Say that. He gives for it. One of the, one of the ways Jesus extends new life is he gives for it. I got somebody in a cheerleading section there. Right on. Jesus is given for it. That baby struggled for life <laughs> and won. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and Jesus also extended new life to us. This is how he did it. He gave for it. John 6, verse 40 says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have what? Eternal life. What does Jesus want to do? He wants to give life. That's what he wants to do. Jesus is generous. He gives for it. That's what he does for life. You know, I remember as a young guy, uh, I must have been really small. I'm guess, guessing maybe five, maybe six. And we are standing on the dock, me and my sisters. I have five sisters. Say, you can pray for me. <laughs> no, man. Uh, now that we're older, oh, I just thank God for them. They're, my sisters are just like heaven. Heaven sent to me. And uh, so we were on the dock, and I remember my younger sister, who's a couple years younger than me, I think she was about three, she uh, does, you know when you're kids, you don't get about deep and all that? You don't get that? And so she uh, just kind of stepped over the thing into the water. That looks fun. The lake looks fun. And I remember, as a little guy, seeing her go down, and she had long blonde hair, and I can remember seeing her hair kind of go out, and I can remember seeing her look up and going under the water and looking through the water up at me. And I didn't really know what to do. She just was going, that would look, look cool. There she goes, under. And in a flurry, my oldest sister whipped off her shirt. I went, whoa. And dove into the lake. And a few seconds later, burst out of the water. And there she was holding my younger sister, Robin, in her arms. And she just had this shocked look on her face. Huh? Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing? Jesus is the ring. And the ring is the thing. You know, the world is in the lake. And they're going down and they're looking up. And let's not be people that judge them. Let's be people that give them hope. Send the ring. Send the ring. Send the ring. Send the ring. You know, salvation, Jesus showed us, is a gift that we don't earn, that we don't deserve. It's a gift that Jesus generously gives. He gives it. He extends it. He throws it. To us. Isn't that good? We all probably here have stories. If it's not our own, we know somebody that's 
had a salvation experience. You've encountered the presence of Jesus. You've encountered the forgiveness of Jesus. You've encountered new life. And you think, wow, wow, wow. Thank you, Jesus, for being someone who extended new life. How do we get new life? Jesus gives for it. He gives everything for it. Generosity is at the foundation of the reality of the gospel. If it wasn't for generosity, this church wouldn't be here. The building wouldn't be here. People gave sacrificially for this building to be built. People had the vision to buy this land and see a building here. People gave their lives to reach people that you would be encountering God. I'm sure there's people here that have salvation stories. I would not be here if it wasn't for that person praying for me, that person inviting me, that person loving me, that person reaching out to me. People gave faithfully in the tithes and the offerings. Right now, Tom and Jenny, they're in an unreached people group of the world. They've identified there's five Christians in a population of two million people. And those Christians have been stoned. Stoned for their faith. Disowned by their families. Amazing. Amazing. And they've gone there with a vision to reach those people and share the good news of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Why are they there? Because people here, we raised, I think it was six or $7,000 this Christmas that we gave to them. And being part of making that vision possible. Generosity. Generosity is at the foundation of the gospel. Number two, Jesus, how did he extend new life? He served for it. Mark 10 verse 45 says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to serve. Say that, serve. Anybody get tired of serving? Oh, do I have to serve again? Is it my, is the schedule coming out again? I need to take a break from that schedule. I need to take a break from coffee team, from usher team, from sound team, from worship team. I need to take a break from the kids team, from the nursery team. I need to take a break. Please, God, let me take a break. <laughs> Jesus said, I did not come to serve, be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. You know, Jesus served for the opportunity to extend new life. Opportunity happens at on-ramp. And you've been getting invitations, if you're new, to come to on-ramp. Four choices you can make to get planted in the house of the Lord. Why do I want to get planted in God's house? I'm not a rhubarb. I'm not a spinach. I'm not a, I'm not a cherry tree. No, because those who are planted in the house of the Lord, the Bible says, will flourish. And we want you to flourish. We want you to be fruitful. We want you to be healthy. We want you to be growing. We want you to be productive in God's kingdom. That's why we have on-ramp. Because we want you to make these choices. And serving is one of the choices. I heard Jalissa saying it on the video earlier. And I want to encourage you, if you've been invited to on-ramp, don't put it off. Don't say, oh, that's for kids. That's for somebody else. That's for the new, that's for new Christians or for people that don't know any better. I'm telling you, Jesus served to give new life. It doesn't get any deeper than that. It doesn't get any stronger than that. He gave everything he had for us. He's giving it all for this world. So let's be people that are serving. Number three, he lived for it. 
he lived for. Acts 2.24, this is what the apostles wrote about Jesus in Acts 2.24. He says, it was impossible. Don't you like that word? Impossible. It was impossible. <laughs> for death to keep its hold on him. You know, we got a savior that says there's nothing. There's nothing, 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 nothing in this world that's going to hold me back from loving you, from saving you, from reaching you, from redeeming your life. That's Jesus to us. That's Jesus to this world. Jesus is the ring, and the ring is the thing unstoppable. Our Jesus is unstoppable. That's what the disciples who knew him firsthand, who saw him every day, who walked with him, ate with him, prayed with him. That's what they said. It was impossible. Death even tried to hold him back. The devil threw out all the stops. He was going to stop him from doing his thing. And Jesus said, impossible. It's impossible. You can't do it, devil. I'm going for it. I love these people. I'm giving my life for these people, but I'm going to overcome death in the grave. Right on. And in Revelation 1, verse 8, Jesus said, I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. That's a long time. That's a long time. That's a long time. And Jesus said, I hold the keys. I got keys to a Jeep. Actually, I don't. I got keys for my office. <laughs> wow, we. <laughs> I got a phone. <laughs> Jesus has the keys of death and the grave. That's not, that's not keys so he can lock you in jail. Those are keys that Jesus holds to release people from death to life. That's what our Jesus wants to do is release people that are in bondage, that are in chains, that don't even know. What was that thing again, Brad? Unconscious incompetence. They don't even know what they don't know. Don't even know they're in jail. Don't even know that what they're missing. Jesus, I'm going to let them go. It's going to be amazing. So how can we as Christians... You know, Jesus is amazing, but how can we be people of new life? As it says on the art there today, how can we be people uh, that are releasing people into new life? How can we walk by faith? How can we live in that new life when it seems like the struggle, the brokenness? The painfulness, the disappointments. Huh? You guys got really quiet. Or were you really quiet and I was just loud the whole time? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know what's going on in, in this place anymore. <laughs> we see arguing. We see division. We see sickness. We see addiction. We, we fail. We, we blow our top when we don't even want to. We let the people down we love the most. Huh? That's just me that I'm describing here? <laughs> How do we live when all of this just seems to be mocking God? Mocking his power. Mocking his promises. Mocking the word. 
Well, I want to talk today a little bit about a pathway to practicing a faith that leads to new life. And these, these practices, this pathway, we see Ezekiel walk this path in Ezekiel chapter 37. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. It's going to be on the screen. Let's start reading at verse 1 of Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was on me. Say, on me. You know, there's a, something neat about Ezekiel that I realized this week. That Jesus called him in that line over there. He asked me, son of man. Ezekiel was a man. He was a person. He was human like us. You know, sometimes we think of a prophet Oh, he's a prophet. He must have been, you know, part angel. He must have been walking off the ground, you know. No. No, the Spirit of God called him a man. He was a man. And the Spirit of the hand of the Lord, the Spirit of God, was on him. The Spirit of God can come on you and lead you. Right? We need you, Spirit of God. We need the Spirit of God. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. You can think of an old western or something, and a horse. And they look out over the valley, and the grass, and the river, and all that. No, 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 none of that. It was full of bones. Horror story. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. The bones that were, the bones that were very dry, very dry. Say that, very, very dry. These weren't just regular old bones. They weren't juicy. They are very dry. <laughs> you know, we read, we, read, uh, we read Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, how dead in sin were we? We were very dry. We were very dead. There's no life. None. No life. Wasn't even a recent history. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. You see, the Lord wants us. This is the first step. In practicing a life of faith, the Lord shows us our brokenness. And sometimes I think we think the Lord wants us to see our holiness, our righteousness, our goodness, how we've got it all together, how we have all the answers. But the Lord showed Ezekiel a valley of dry bones. That's where it all started. Showed him the brokenness. He showed him the hopelessness. He showed him how much there was no way we were going to work this out on our own. You know, I think usually with bones, we bury them, don't we? What if you got buried in your life? What hurt, what disappointment, what brokenness have you got in your life, in your past? What hopeless place, what defeat is there? What pain is there that we have made a grave and buried it so we didn't have to look at it anymore? 
Well, the Lord showed Ezekiel the bones. And I think there's times where the Lord shows us our hurt. He shows us our brokenness. He shows us our defeats. He shows us the places in our lives that bring us pain. Why does he do it? Because he knows that we don't even have the faith to say these bones could live. You could do a miracle. Ezekiel said, ah, our people are destroyed. Our nation is destroyed. I've got no hope. God, I don't even know what to say to you. I don't even know if I believe that you could do a miracle. That's the first step, I think, for us to practicing a life of faith, for us to see the depth of our brokenness. Then he goes on in verse 4, and he says this. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Just to be clear, Ezekiel was not really in a valley of dry bones. He was seeing a vision of a dry bones. And this was a picture of the nation. And the brokenness. They were in exile. They were in bondage. Right? And this was a prophecy about the restoration of that. But also it's a prophecy about the kingdom of God coming to our lives. So then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. And I will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh. Isn't that bizarre? That's a bizarre thing to even just imagine. Creating life. And to cover you with skin. I will put breath in you. And you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. You know, once we see our brokenness, <laughs> this is what the Lord says. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. Say, like, Pastor Greg, that's not very new. That's not very new to pray to have a prayer life. Well, I want to encourage you with this. That the Lord doesn't want you to have a prayer life. But he wants you to have a prayer of life. You see the difference? Not a prayer life, but a prayer of life. He's asking you to speak a prayer of life. He even gives the prayer to Ezekiel. Prophesy to these bones and say to them. You know, the Lord can give you a prayer of life to speak over your bones, over your brokenness, over your hurts, over your hopelessness. He can give you a prayer of life. And he's asking you to stop complaining, stop doubting, and start speaking life to your broken and dry, very dry places. <laughs> very dry, very dry, very dry.
very dry. Okay, we've got to wrap this up. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. Isn't that amazing? I did what Jesus told me to do. I didn't have very much faith. I didn't feel anything. I just did what I was told. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them. And skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. <laughs> the Lord wants to give you a sign that he's working. You know, I, I want to give you a little secret. Our elders, you know, there's been times when we've, you know, we, we pray a lot when we meet. I think that's one of the main things we do is pray and seek God. But the, the one time we were praying, it was just, it just seemed like a time when the Lord was showing us the dry bones. <laughs> we were like, oh, we don't even know what to do. We don't even know what to say. And one of our elders, I remember, said, if we see anything, even if there's a hint of God at work, even if we hear a little report of God doing something, let's share it with each other. As soon as we hear a little rattle, as soon as we hear a little noise in the closet, as soon as we hear a little rumor that something good might be happening. Linda was telling us today in the prayer time, you know how her tire went flat and how the presence and spirit of God spoke to them, you know, what to do and, and uh, how they just feel like God saved their lives. And I think, whoa, that's so cool. We're hearing a rattle. We're hearing a rattle that God is at work, that God is delivering somebody, that God is bringing hope to somebody, that God is setting someone on the path of righteousness. Let's share the stories. Let's be listening. The Lord will give you a sign that he's working. Are you listening for the sign? Are you acknowledging the sign? Are you seeing the signs? Are you just seeing the negative? Are you just watching the neighbors? You know what they're doing. Are you just over there looking at how bad the world is going down the toilet? I want to encourage you. Let's hear the signs of what God is doing. Let's hear the reports of the bones starting to rattle in people's lives. Man, I get excited. I get excited when I hear about God at work. And heard miracle stories this week. You know, where everything looked hopeless. And God changed the situation. Changed the story. Uh, I was visiting with uh, Grant and Jean last week. And uh, they told me a story how God delivered Grant from cancer at one time. And he went to the doctor and he said, Do you believe Jesus can heal? And the doctor said, no. <laughs> I don't believe. But I got stage four cancer. And I had a vision that Jesus came into my room and healed me. Is that 15 years ago? And there's Grant sitting in church over there. Huh? Tell me. Tell me. The doctor doesn't believe Jesus can heal. Are you hearing a rattle? Do you have some hope that God could do something in your story? Do you have some hope that God could change your hopelessness? That he could heal your brokenness? That he could give you provision where there's no provision? That he could make a way when it seems there's no way? When you got an ocean in front of you and there's no dry path, do you believe God could make a dry path? Do you believe he could make a mountain flat or a valley rise up for you? 
<laughs> let's hear for the sounds. Let's hear for the sounds. Let's listen for the sounds. And let's acknowledge them like Ezekiel did. And then in verse 9, they, they shut off. They said, Pastor Greg, you got to shut up. I got a couple of minutes. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. There's that term again. Come on, you regular old person, you that's been through hell, that's seen brokenness, that's seen disappointment. You know the first 30, uh, I think it's first 32 chapters of Ezekiel, where Ezekiel prophesying about God's judgment on people and brokenness coming. He saw a lot of brokenness. He saw a lot of hopelessness. He had a lot of disappointments. He saw people choosing to walk their own way and reject the grace and mercy of God. He saw his own uh, life falling apart. <laughs> but he heard, he heard some bones rattling. Huh? He heard some noise. He heard of somebody else maybe. <laughs> oh, that other person over there. They had a miracle of provision. They had a miracle of hope. They had a miracle of restoration. They had something happen in their lives. <laughs> Do you got some bones? Do you got some bones? Do you got some hopelessness? Do you got some weakness? Do you got some places where the enemy has mocked God in your life? Said, how could God really deliver you? How could God really love you? How could God really do anything for you? And Ezekiel said, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they might live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath entered them, and they came to life, and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. You know, the Lord wants to give you his spirit for the task. If his spirit's not on you <laughs> for the task, no amount of trying, no amount of good behavior, no amount of doing all the right things the right way is going to help. We need the hand of the Lord upon us. It's not a work of the flesh. It's not about going to the right conference. It's not a light boat about listening to the right podcast. All those things can help you. I'm not saying bad about those things. But we need the Spirit of God. You got a broken place. Do you got a hopeless place? Do you got a place where the enemy has mocked God in your life? Caused you to question. Caused you to just want to bury that and move on. Then I want to encourage you today. There's another way. When we see the brokenness, that's the first step. <laughs> that's the first step when we see it. The Lord will show us. Then he'll give us a prayer of life. 
then we will hear a sign that he's working. And then he'll give us his spirit to accomplish the task. Let's stand up. We're not going to end just in a quiet way today. I'm going to ask you to participate. So the worship team will play. So it'll just kind of be some cover up for you. So your neighbors won't have to listen to you. But I want to ask you, do you have some bones? As I've been preaching, has you, have you been thinking, oh man, I got that bone. I got this. I got this dead place. I got this hopeless situation. I got this broken, hurtful thing. I got this thing where the enemy's been mocking God in my life. And I've just tried to bury it and move on. And that doesn't work very good. <laughs> but I want to just ask you. I just want to ask you. Let's ask God. Lord, you showed us your, our brokenness. So now would you give us a prayer of life. And give us ears to hear you at work in these situations. Give us faith. Give us faith. We want to live by faith and not by sight. We don't want to, we're tired of looking at the bones. We want to see life come. So Lord, would you give us a prayer of life? Why don't you just say that to the Lord? Will you give me a prayer of life to speak over these bones in my life? In my life. I pray, God, would you give me a prayer of life right now? Come on, come on, come on. Would you give me a prayer of life? Come on, give me a prayer of life to speak over these dry places, these hopeless places in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Now I'm going to ask the worship team, if you guys would give us some noise, whatever you want to do. And I want you, let's not, let's not just leave here and think, oh, that was nice, that was entertaining. Let's speak a prayer of life. Let's speak a prayer of life. You speak over your bones. You tell them those bones to live. You tell them to get back together. You tell whatever that situation, whatever that brokenness, whatever that hopelessness, speak life into that situation in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Come on, come on. Oh, yes, Lord. We speak life. We speak life, Lord. We speak hope, oh God. Let hope come. Let restoration come. Let love be restored, God. Let life be restored. Let blind eyes be open. Let hard hearts become soft. Lord, in Jesus' name, let bitternesses begin to melt. Let life come in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, God.